right, I think first up, you, right, McCain? All right, come on up. Thank you. Uh, so I will be doing an overview of the book of Ephesians, and then um, Brother Robert and the rest of the guys, I don't remember the order, I hope you all do, will be coming in behind me, getting into a little bit more of the specifics. Um, so they told me that I have to be at least 10 minutes so I'd like to start by reading all six chapters of Ephesians. <laughs> um, so uh, obviously this is a letter of Paul to the church at Ephesus. And uh, I broke it down um, into two halves. There's six chapters. The first three are together. Um, I call that our wealth in Christ. And then the second three chapters are the second half. And that is our walk in Christ. And so that comes out of verse, um, chapter 1, verse 3. Right after the introduction, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And that's, that's the first half. And then chapter 4, verse 1 I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And so that, those are the two uh, verses that I, that's the separating point um, that I'll break it up in. So, talking about the wealth in Christ, um, I'm, I'm going to try and keep it broad because they're going to come back and fill in the gaps. Um, chapter 1, verses 3 through 14 uh, gives us our position in Christ. It starts out with the verse I just read, and then it talks about um, our basically salvation, how we're chosen in Him before the foundation of the world, and uh, where we are now in Christ. And it gives us our position and different things that we have, such as predestination, redemption, acceptance in the beloved, forgiveness, revelation, and inheritance and a sealing by the Holy Spirit. And so these are things that we have in Christ, and those are attributes of our, our spiritual wealth. Um, and then in chapter 2, uh, it takes us back and reminds us of our position before Christ. Uh, if you look in verse 2 of chapter 2, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, in the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. This was us. It's no longer us. But it, we went from talking about our position in Christ currently to reminding us what it was before Christ. Um, and uh, it uses phrases like, at that time you were, and wherein in time past ye walked, to, but now in Christ, and now therefore ye are, and so it's comparing our old relationship with Christ and what it looked like with our new relationship in Christ uh, now that we have been called to him. And then moving on to chapter 3. Uh, this is the chapter that Paul reveals the divine mystery, um, which is um, the gathering of God's elect people into a church uh, without the... the um, commentary that I read said uh, the gathering of an elect people without respect to nationality or circumcision or any other thing and bringing them into intimate union to be a body of believers and the bride of Christ and so um, it says in verse uh, 5 of chapter 3 which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit and so this was unknown to people prior to this, and Paul reveals it to them. Um, the, the, the image of the church and what it looks like with an elect people in unity uh, as the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. And so um, with that, we'll move into the second half, which is our walk in Christ. And more specifically, our lifestyle, because that's, that's what our walk is. It's... it's um, what we do, our actions. And so you'll see a lot of action verbs in this second half of this chapter. Um, I, didn't, I didn't write them down, but it's things like 
standing, walking, obeying. Um, and there's a lot in chapter 6. Wrestling, um, taking, doing, being. It's things that we're supposed to be doing. It's, it's actions. The second half is a practical application of the first. The first is a lot of doctrine. And uh, the second is the application and what it looks like to be walked out. And so in chapter 4, you have a lot of uh, put-offs and put-ons, which I think one of our guys are going to get to. Um, Walking as children in chapter 5. Chapter 6 talks about our workplace behavior. Uh, Chapter 5 talks about our marriages. And the beginning of chapter 6 talks about our parent-child relationships. And then uh, probably one of the more famous parts of Ephesians is Ephesians chapter 6, which is um, the warfare, um, which is the whole armor of God thing. And so uh, I don't think we have anybody that's going to touch on that. So I will just a little bit. Um, but all those topics that I just mentioned, that's all covered in chapters 4, 5, and 6. It's these these points, these um, some of its relationships, some of its just actions, these different areas of our lives and um, the correct way to walk out those areas. Um, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Um, just application. Um, uh, so that's an overview. And what I wanted to get into a little bit um, without taking up too much more time is... Um, in the church and out of the church. So in the church is where we learn. It's where we sit under preaching. We're not typically faced with super hard trials or temptations. It's our classroom. It's where we come to learn about these things. But it's outside of the church where we practice them. That's where you go if you want to use an analogy. That's the test. So you come into church. That's the classroom. You go out of the church into the world. That's the test. And um, I didn't write this down. I ran out of time. Um, But in the classroom, it's more than just a teacher and students. It's like Paul talks about in chapter 3. It's the unity. It's It's a unity of believers. It's a body, and it's meant to be edifying everyone edifying each other and it it goes more than just a classroom setting where we come in we sit down we learn and we leave you grow more you learn more when you talk to the other students and you talk about what you learned and you edify each other Um, you're going to be much more equipped to go out into the world and do good on the test and so my edification would be to um, to talk with other people after. And I know I've been guilty uh, in times past of leaving after first service. Um, but that lunch, it's not just free food. I mean, it's a part of communing with our, our body. We are a body. And so communing with them and edifying each other um, to better walk. Uh, what we've learned. So that's all I have. Man, I don't even need to go. That was enough, right? That was super awesome. Um, I just want to start out by saying what a pleasure it's been to be with the young men of the church. And before I get into my section of scripture, I just want to encourage y'all to keep encouraging them. And like he said, just pour into these young men. They truly are the future of the church. Brother Lewis has said that here from the pulpit. One day all of us old fogies aren't going to be here anymore. And they're going to be here in this church. And I pray that my daughter is here in this church with these men who are 19, 20, 22, 25. I can't remember everybody's age, but they're, they're young. And they have a desire on a Thursday night to give up Thursday night football and I'm using that as an example, and other things that happen on a Thursday night in a young person's life to go study the Word. It's it's motivating to me because when I was 21, 22, 25, 35, not until I was 37 did I get woke up by the Lord. And before that, you couldn't have paid me enough money to go sit in a Bible study and miss football or anything else that was going on in in Robert's life. So just encourage them because it's been super encouraging. Um, So turn to Ephesians chapter 2. 
verses 8, 9, and 10 is what I'll be talking about. And I'll read that. And it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath ordained that we should walk in them. So I want to give you kind of three points, and in each point give you a couple other points. Um, and then if, if I go too fast because of time, just let me know, and I'll, I'll share my notes with you. I'm not afraid. So number one, salvation cannot be performed without God. And since it can't be performed without God, we see three things. We see that it's by God's grace that we have salvation. If you go back up to the earlier verses, McCain uh, uh, touched on it a little bit. In verse 2, it says that we were dead in our trespasses. Have you all ever been around a dead person? Okay, dead people don't move. They don't wake up. They don't answer the door. They don't heed the call. They don't do anything. They need to be woke up, correct? Correct. Okay, so that, that, that's God's grace. God's grace was he woke our dead bodies up to bring us to an understanding that we needed a Savior. All right, and so it's a gift from God. He gave it to us. We didn't do anything. I'm going to hit on this a little bit later, so I don't want to spend too much time on it, but he, we, we didn't do anything for him to give it to us. We didn't ask him to give it to us, and he said, oh, sure, I'm a great dad. I'll give you some stuff. No, he gave it to us when he woke us up from the dead. And then we see that because it's from God's grace and we see that it's, it's a gift from God, it's because God is giving it to us. It's given from God, right? We get it from him, not from anybody else, not from um, something we did or someone we talked to. It comes from God. Point number two in verse nine, salvation cannot be prideful. So that, so that no man should boast. And if it can't be prideful, we see three things. We see that it can't be done by effect. None of us are cool enough to line the stars up with the moon and have the weather be perfect and cause this great thing to come upon the earth so that we would all be awakened and, and do something, anything to magically make it happen, right? That's not, we're not, we don't live in a, in a faith and we don't have a God who allows us to have some kind of Harry Potter magic. Right? God did all of this. He is the cause, the effect, the, the author. He does it all. So we have, we have nothing to do with it. We cannot affect it. And it's not by earning, right? If we, if we can't affect it, we can't earn it either. We can't, I used to tell guys when I would teach them at Mighty Oaks, you can't walk enough old ladies across the street with their groceries, guys. You can't go to enough colleges. You can't have the best job with the best pay, take care of your family, and never miss a soccer game with your kids, and give money to the poor. All of that doesn't matter. Without being awakened from the dead, those things, although in our human minds say, oh, those are really good things. That guy's such a good guy. Romans 3.10 says not so much, doesn't it? Because not one is good. And then it's not by exaggeration. If God's, if salvation can't be prideful, it can't be exaggerated. That means when we share our testimony and we give other people the hope that we have in us, man, we are not the hero of the story. Is that right? Amen, right? Because if we were the hero of the story, oh man, we'd have a whole other type of service gear going on right now, right? Christ is the hero of the story. Christ is the hero of the story, and that's how we have to tell it. And when we realize that, then and only then will we know that our salvation isn't prideful. Point number three from verse 10, salvation cannot be without purpose. Three points in there, we were made fantastically. And I use that word on purpose because it started with an F and I'm trying to alliterate, all right? <laughs> and I like that word. We were made fantastically. In Genesis 1, 26 through 31, we see that God said, I want to make man and woman in, in our image, right? And then at the end of him creating us, what does he say? He said, this is very good. He created light. It's good. He created animals. It's good. He created land. It's good. See, it's good. He created man and woman. It is very good. We are made fantastically. And our salvation can't be without purpose, so we know that our faith will produce good works. 
Having an encounter with the risen Christ will change you and transform you and make it so that you will produce good fruits. Jesus says that you will know that you're my disciple by their fruits. And last, we are foreordained to function in those good works. He already mentioned it. I think one of the best words in Ephesians is walk. And when they say that word walk in the Greek, it means live. It's how we're functioning. It's how we're living. It's how we're doing. The most powerful word in the English language is the word do. In chapter 4, verse 1, it says we're to walk worthy. In chapter 5, verse 2, we're to walk in love. In verse 8 of chapter 5, walk as children of the light. In verse 15 of chapter 5, walk circumspectly or carefully. When we're doing those things, we're going to produce the fruit of the Spirit, are we not? So I want to leave you guys with, with two points of application. Submit to the Christ, or sorry, submit to the cross of Christ intentionally. Because we didn't do this, because we didn't purchase this with our works or anything else that we could have done, and because God made us for these good works, submit to the cross of Christ intentionally. That means repent continually. Pray the hard prayers diligently and read your Bible faithfully. And what do I mean by the hard prayers? I'm talking about, God, are there any sins in my life? Expose them. I need open heart surgery, Lord. Show me my heart. I promise you, brothers and sisters, that that will be the fastest prayer ever answered in your life. Point number two for application, proclaim his excellencies daily. Know the gospel fully, be an example or an ambassador and witness for Christ wholeheartedly and share the good news of the gospel every chance you get and do it boldly, joyfully, and meekly. Know the gospel fully. What I'm trying to tell you, brothers and sisters, is be gospel fluent. There's a book called Gospel Fluency. I read it a few years back for uh, for a job and for counseling. It's probably outside of the Bible, top five Christian books I've ever read in my life. And it teaches you how to know the gospel, not just know the good news and the bad news of the gospel, but know how to apply it to your life and to other people's lives. If you don't know the gospel, you can't share the gospel. And then being an example, having a witness for Christ. What are we doing? Like uh, Brother McCain said, are we walking out our Christianity? Are we living in light of what we have, our wealth in Christ? And if we are, are we doing it in a Christ-like manner? And then we have to be bold to share the gospel. When was the last time you shared the gospel with your neighbor who's not a Christian? And not just Jesus loves you. Like a whole gospel I'm going to share you every bit of the good news because I want you to know what I know. And we do that. Why? Because we had spiritual cancer. And because we know the truth, we got spiritual chemotherapy and that cancer is gone. We were awakened from the dead. We have a responsibility to share that with others. Why would you want to have the cure for cancer and not share it with anybody else? That's pretty selfish. Do it joyfully. You can't share the gospel sad. You cannot share the gospel sad. You cannot walk up to your neighbor and be like, you know, I know life's really crummy right now. It is for me too, but I guess Jesus loves you. I guess he died for the on the cross for you. I don't know. It might work. I don't know. No. Man, your life is in shambles right now. Let me share with you my life when it was in shambles. And the only reason why I want to do that is because I want to give you the answer to the mess you're in. His name is Jesus Christ, and this is what he can do when you repent and believe and do it meekly. And I want to close with one scripture that I think ties the application of this together nicely. It's first Peter chapter three, verse 15. And it says, but sanctify the Lord in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Are you ready to give a defense? Are you ready to give an explanation? Are you ready to do it in your actions? Are you ready to do it in your speech? Are you ready to do it with your neighbor? Are you ready to do it with your mom? Are you re- Whoever is not saved, are you ready to do it? Will they know you're different? If somebody accused you of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Because that's what it means to live according to what that gift is that he gave us, is it not?
thank you for allowing me to come and share with y'all, and uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate the men that I'm in this study with. They've done nothing but edify me and lift me up, and, and I appreciate them. Thank you. Okay, so um, I'm just going out of specifically just one verse. Uh, primarily, it's just uh, verse 1 in chapter 5 of Ephesians. Um, it says, Be ye followers, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Um, and I just had some some thoughts that I'd written down here, um, just kind of some parallels between um, dear children following Christ and how we should follow Christ as as a Christian. So uh, my first point I had uh, from this verse was um, children need instruction. Uh, children are not born with knowledge. Uh, children are not born with wisdom. Uh, anything good a child knows, it was probably taught to them. Um, likewise, as followers of Christ, we, we cannot expect to learn discern or grasp spiritual concepts unless we are guided and instructed by the loving hand of God. Um, the book of Ephesians has a lot of great um, commandments in it, like uh, chapter 5, 25, um, chapter 4, uh, verse 29. Um, these guide the Christian to walk a, a Christ-centered life. <clears throat> but as children... Um, we very rarely get things on the first time. Um, we don't uh, take instruction as seriously as we should. Um, we're forgetful, unfocused, and often irresponsible with the instruction we receive. Uh, I'm not aware of, of any child that um, learned perfect English in a day. Um, it, it requires a lot of practice, a lot of um, time and effort to be put into that. Um, likewise for Christians uh, this must be a constant process of seeking God's instruction as it says in uh, Proverbs 12 1 I am going to turn there whoso loveth instruction loveth knowledge but he that hateth reproof is brutish And then my, uh, my second point from uh, chapter 5, verse 1, is uh, children are entirely um, dependent on their parents. Uh, there are a few things a child can do on their own. Um, children know that if they need something, they must make a request for it. Um, as we age, we lose this uh, childlike dependence like on our parents, uh, which is a good thing. Um, I'm sure our parents enjoy seeing us become more self-reliant. Um, we never gain the ability to be self-reliant in our Christian walk. Um, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 1 really convicted me um, to realize that I, I must keep that childlike dependence on God, um, because if I don't, uh, I can fall into the dangerous mindset of, no, it's okay, God, I got everything figured out, um, I'm good, I, I know what I'm doing, uh, and it can, it can be a, a prideful thing where you, you don't want to give up that control and be wholly dependent on, on Christ as a child would uh, to their parents. Um, in Ephesians uh, chapter 3, verse 8, it reads, Unto me, who am, the, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Um, Paul shows how humble he is before God. Um, Paul can display this great humility because like a child who knows he will only receive nourishment and care from his parents. Paul knows the only place he will receive the grace and mercy for the, th for the sins he has committed is from Christ Jesus. There is a childlike dependence on the grace of Christ that is only found in the cleansing blood of Jesus. And then um, my last point that I had from, from
from this verse was um, just what a blessing it is that we can uh, follow Christ as dear children. Um, to have the security we find in Christ, just like a child who feels completely protected by his parents, we are completely covered by the blood of Christ. We are completely equipped with the instruction found in his word. Um, we can do as it says uh, in Hebrews um, 4.16, and, and we can run boldly to the throne of grace. Uh, we can do this because we are called to follow Christ as dear children. Uh, just as a child would cry out when he's hurting, we can cry out to God for grace and mercy when in a time of need. To follow Christ in this way uh, is not its not always easy. Uh, we tend to want to keep um, in control uh, of our lives. Um, but just as Christ has called us to follow him as dear children, he has also called us friends. And I want to turn to John chapter 15. Verse, uh, verse 15, which reads, um, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what the Lord doeth, but I have called you friend. That all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Um, so let's give up our prideful desires to want to keep that control and, and fully allow ourselves to be childlike. Uh, dependent on God. Um, the idea that we are called to have a childlike dependence on Christ who told us he is our friend was uh, a huge blessing to me and uh, I hope it was to you guys as well. If you would, uh, I'll be out of Ephesians 4 verses 17 through through 21 and I'll uh, I'll read it real quick. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him, and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. So, as I was reading through the book of Ephesians, trying to figure out a passage to um, go through for this, this is not the first one that came to mind, but as I read over it and over it, this is the one that um, really sparked a lot of uh, thought and um, fruitful meditation as far as uh, in my personal time. Um... And I want to start in verse 17 where he says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. And it's been gone over in chapters 1 through 3. We are told uh, about our riches in Christ. And um, chapter 1, verse 7, and I'll read that real quick. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And in verse 11, a little bit further down, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. And then on to uh, chapter 2, where he says in verse 7, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. And he says because of all this, because of what you have in Christ because of what he's done for you, because of his death on the cross, because of his pain and his agony and his torment, because of all that, I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord because there's nothing more sure, um, you know, than what he's about to say right now, which is walk not as the other Gentiles walk. Considering all of this, considering what you have in Christ, considering the riches, considering the inheritance, considering your future and the promises that, um, he's given us, walk not as other Gentiles walk. We're called to be separate. We're called to be holy, um, set-apart vessels. And it gets into the, the purpose of that, of course, in the book of Ephesians, which is to the praise and the honor of his glory. Because it's, again, the whole purpose of the book of the Bible, 
um, and the whole purpose of our lives is to to bring glory to God, and that's a, a general statement, but we're going to go a little bit into um, some sides of that and what that looks like. But first, we're going to look at the, um, the Gentiles, how the Gentiles, which know not God, walk. And first, it says, in the vanity of their mind, which is, you know, I think we all know what vanity means, but it's futility, it's emptiness, it's vanity, um, purposelessness, uh, if that's a word, but without purpose, um, which is a, a sad reality. And then having the understanding darkened. And this isn't, of course, a, uh, a, a literal mental understanding as far as things go in understanding mathematics or arithmetic um, or English, but it's a spiritual understanding. It's an understanding of God. It's an understanding of Jesus Christ. It's an understanding of his sacrifice and his love and his grace. And then as you go further, being alienated. Um, of course, alienated um, is a non-participant. They have no part, no lot in the matter of Jesus Christ, no part or lot in the matter of eternity with him. And then because of the blindness or because of the, uh, through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Ignorance because it is truly ignorant to live outside of Christ. Um, it's a sad reality and it's, a, it's an ignorant reality um, to suppress the knowledge of God, to suppress the knowledge of Christ. Um, and we see the result of that a little bit further down because of the hardness of their heart because they didn't um, they don't want to know God they hate God um, and in verse 19 it says who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work on uncleanness with greediness which you know all unrighteousness with greediness so it's never enough it's never enough to to fill their desires and the more they indulge in their lust the, the less satisfying that it becomes. So it is an endless cycle of, you know, at this point, um, who, after being given over, their conscience is seared with a hot iron, but life is, is misery. Now, what's my point in getting to all that? That's fairly um, gray. It's not very joyous. But my point is, in verse 20 where it says, But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. So we see in chapter 2, verse 2, where it says, Wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now work, works in the children of disobedience. So the only thing that separates us from this picture here, this picture of someone who's without hope, this picture of someone who is marching along headlong um, without any remorse or regret to destruction is the grace of God, as Robert pointed out in Ephesians 2, verse 8, for by grace are you saved. And I want to, um, to go through this and kind of show what we are supposed to do after we, um, after we know Christ because we're not supposed to walk in vanity of mind because we have purpose. We've been given purpose um, our, our thoughts, our actions, they're no longer vain. They no longer reap unto ourselves destruction. But now we have purpose because as eternal and infinite um, beings or eternal or with eternal and infinite souls, the only thing that can satisfy an eternal or infinite soul is something eternal. And the only eternal one um, or the only one who holds all things eternal is Jesus Christ. And you'll notice, of course, all throughout the book of Ephesians, you notice in him, um, in Christ Jesus. And that's a phrase that's repeated very, very um, repetitively, thankfully, because we need to be reminded of that, that frequently in our day-to-day -day lives. But we're also called to grow in understanding. Unlike the Gentiles or the other Gentiles who, who walk in darkness, we're called to make the most of what has been given to us in Christ. Christ gives us that understanding. Christ gives us all the knowledge that we have of him. And how do we show our thanks for it? 
we grow it and we cultivate it and we plant the seed and we learn more and more of him because he's taught us. It says in verse 20, but ye have not so learned Christ. And it says in 21, that ye have heard him, that ye have been taught by him. And this him is, is Jesus Christ, as the truth is in Jesus. And we see in John 6, verse 67. I'll turn there real quick. This is after Jesus feeds the uh, 5,000, if I'm not wrong. Yes, he, he feeds the 5,000, and he's, um, he's talking to the people, and they say, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And in verse 66, I'll start there. Um, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then Jesus said unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we know this. You know, it, you know, and if you didn't know it before tonight, I'll tell you, Jesus Christ is the Son of, of God. He's the, the only hope you have in this world, and he's the only hope of eternity uh, or of a happy um, and joyous eternity with him. And again, back to Ephesians 4, verse uh, 21, as the truth is in Jesus. But before I get to that, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Um, if so be that ye have heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. So we look a little bit into the, the character of Jesus as he teaches us. Um, and we're all familiar with Ephesians, um, I'm sorry, Hebrews 4, verse 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as unto we are, yet without sin. Um, and we look in Matthew 11:30, and I will turn there as well which I'm turning to a few different places, but I think the Bible can say it a lot better than I can. In verse 28 where it says, Come unto me, all ye that are, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then I'll turn to one more place, which is um, Hebrews 2. Verse 16. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham, wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. So in light of the Gentile walk and that being here um, laid out for us, how the Gentiles walk without understanding, we need to take inventory of what we have in Christ quite frequently. We need to realize that he's given us redemption through his blood and that he's, he's lived as the... Um, the perfect example of how we are to live on a day-to-day basis. He's right now, currently, sitting on the right hand of God and he's making intercession for us because there are so many things that we do that we don't even know that we do that offends God. And it's only by Jesus Christ that God can so much as even look at us other than to say, depart from me, ye worker of iniquity, I never knew you. Because... He is and he was perfect. He's the perfect representation of God. He's the perfect image of God and he is what we could never be. And when I say could never, could never in our own power. And he did it because God in his infinite wisdom knew that we could never attain to such high, such a high calling. And he sent his son to die, to redeem his people, and then to accomplish the justification and then the ultimate sanctification of his people where we will ultimately become, you know, I don't know exactly how this looks. I don't think anybody does, but is in First John where it says, and John didn't know either, but um, whenever we see him, we will be like him. Um, and those contra- that contrast is what I'm getting at. 
is the contrast of the Gentiles who know not God and all of us here who have heard of Christ. And now I would exhort all of us here, including myself, to to live after Christ. Thank you for your time. So since I am last, that means I've got unlimited time, right? I don't feel the pressure of having to worry about not going over. So I'm going to be in Ephesians 4 as well, and mine and Elijah's are going to overlap a little bit. Um, but uh, I'm going to start in uh, verse 20 was kind of the, uh, uh, the starting verse that I had, uh, had in mind after kind of going over everything and uh, and thinking about what, you know, what were uh, what was one of the biggest things to hit me from this book, uh, but we're going to start in chapter four, verse twenty of Ephesians. Uh, but ye have not so learned Christ, if so, uh, so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth in Jesus. So, as Elijah just made mention to, you have the um, the old uh, the old man who we were, um, but we've not so learned Christ, and now he's going to go into. Um, you know, some practical, the practical living side of being a Christian. So uh, that you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, wherefore put away, putting away lying, speak every man truth unto his neighbor, for we are members one to another be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands, that thing which is good that he may have, have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that, may, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Uh, so the first point I had kind of from this, uh, from this section, I'm going to get into some of that um, here in just a second, but one... Uh, the part that really stuck out to me the most as uh, from the get-go is um, God as a father giving these instructions to us. So as a dad, you know, you're really tempt, uh, your tendency is to go, hey, don't touch that electrical outlet. You do it, you know, do that because I said so. And God could say, don't lie because I said so. And that would be perfectly, you know, perfectly acceptable. But the, the uh, just the tenderness in the way that Put off this, and here here's this to help you with that. It's it's almost his understanding of our weakness is is incredible, um, and just the way he he goes about you know as a father teaches his his son how to do things that God is teaching us how how we are to live. Um, so um, let's see here. Um, so one uh one other thing with this too is. The it's one thing to get rid of, um, you know, to get rid of something. So, uh, but you have to have the the replacement. So one way that's always helped me in thinking about this, and I, uh, some of y'all might have heard me say this before, but it's as if you're in a boat with holes in it, um, and you put your finger into two holes, and you still have a bunch of holes. You're still on a sinking ship. So you can pull one out and plug another one, but you're still going to have multiple holes. And that's the way we are. If we're not replacing our bad habits with good habits, uh, we've all been there. We're gonna, you know, we'll say, "All right, I'm gonna buckle down on, on this," and you try for weeks on end to get this under control, and then you found out that you've picked up another habit. Um, and so, it uh, without replacing them with godly habits, it's gonna be pointless um, for us to strive in those things, um, because outside of um, you know, of godly habits, though, uh, all that we're, you know, our heart is prone to wander. So we're going to replace, uh, replace, uh, bad and with bad in and of ourselves. Uh, so looking at the, uh, at the first, um, you know, the first thing we're commanded to do here, uh, in verse 
22 and 23. Uh, so putting off the old man. Um, we, uh, uh, and that's where the, but you have not so learned Christ is so important, is we no longer have the excuse of I used to be this, that, or the other. Um, we are made new in Christ. Uh, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So made new, um, that word, or, uh, word renewed means to renovate. Uh, so you wouldn't buy a an old home that needed to be renovated and just move right into it. It has to be completely remade, um, broken down to the studs. And that's the way that um, that our minds are. We get rid of everything that the old man was, and we bring in the new, um, because those are the those are the full things. Those are the rich things. Um, that is the full cistern and not the broken cistern that we read about. Um, you also have in verse twenty five that you put away lying. Well. Uh, it's not only that you put away lying, it's that you speak the truth. Um, so it, you've got to take, uh, once you get rid of that, you're bringing in something else. Uh, verse 28, uh, put off stealing, but rather than just quit stealing, you go, you work, and you provide, and then you give to those that are in need. Uh, so it's it's taking a, a very selfish thing that I'm going to steal from me, and turning it into, I'm going to go and work that I might have money to give to those in need. Um, you also have in 29, uh, when we're looking at that, put off, uh, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Uh, the word corrupt, uh, when I kind of dug into that, is rotten, worthless. Uh, it's um, completely worthless conversation. Uh, so. Some of the things that kind of came to my mind is, you know, slander, cursing, uh, you know, uh, gossip, those kind of things. Uh, but rather, so if we get rid of that, what are we supposed to get uh, put on? Edifying. So speaking good one to another, encouraging. Um, we're supposed to be building each other up rather than tearing each other down. Um, and then in 31 and 32... We've got put off, uh, so he lists off three things, put off the anger, uh, uh, bitterness, wrath, or, well, four things. Well, maybe more than that. My math is off. Several things. Um, <laughs> let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking uh, be put away from you with all malice. So we put away bitterness, anger, wrath, clamor, uh, those things. And what are we uh, to put on? And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sakes, have forgiven you. Um, so, and a lot of this is taking a a lower view of ourselves and a higher view of others. Uh, that's where where the core of a lot of these things are is humility. Um, when we steal, what are we saying? I'm worthy. You're not. Um, when we're uh, talking talking bad about others, what is that? Well, that's tearing them down to build ourselves up so that we um, we don't have to look at ourselves in the magnifying glass. Uh, so all of these things are based in humility. Uh, thinking less of yourselves that you might view others as as high. Um, I always think of Paul in uh, in these books that uh, that he writes where he says the least of all saints. Uh, you know, Paul wrote the bulk of the New Testament, we would look at Paul and we'd be, he would be a rock star to us. Uh, but he called himself the least of all saints. Uh, and that's the mindset we ought to have, that we are the least of all saints. And if we can be used in service to others in any way possible, that would be a, a great blessing. Um, so that is, uh, is kind of the things that I have. And, and one other thing that I wanted to hit on is, is just uh, um, doing this uh, this is not something that, that you'll do later. Um, it's something that you have to do every single day. Uh, this is not something, the first time that y'all have heard this. Uh, it's never, it's not been the first time that I've read it, but yet it's something that you have to preach to yourself every single day because every single day you'll forget it. Uh, and one of the, uh, uh, one of the things that kind of summarizes that up to, uh, to me really well is in chapter five, if you go right across the page, um, in, uh, in verse 15 and 16, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So uh, 
there's plenty of things in this world, plenty of things in our days that are evil and corrupt things that would bring us down. Um, but we have higher things to focus on. Um, we have uh, a higher calling, uh, so we are to walk circumspectly according to that. Uh, so I thank you all for your time. I pray that that was uh, an encouragement to you. Well, as always, it's uh, edifying to hear these uh, these men share what they've gleaned from the Word. Um, very thankful for your time in the book of Ephesians. Very thankful for your time in putting that together, organizing your thoughts, and uh, communicating those things um, very well. So I'm thankful um, for you, thankful for your, for your labors, and I encourage you to continue on in that. And then just once again, encourage you that if you were edified by that, give these young guys some encouragement. Um, let them know. Uh, we want to stir one another up to love and to good works. And so um, these guys are doing a good work. And so let's encourage them in that. Let's pray, and then we will uh, be dismissed. Father, we thank you that... Um, that as, as McCain summed it up, we thank you for the wealth that we have in Christ. Father, you have given us everything that we need for life and godliness. We have redemption in him. We are accepted in him. We have um, all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in him. Um, and Father, we do not lack anything uh, because you've set your love on us and you've placed us in your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, there are so many blessings that come with that, and you've also told us that there are responsibilities that come with that. There's a walk, a manner of life in which we're called to. And so I pray that you would bless us in that, that we would live in a way that would uh, be imitators, followers of you as dear children. Uh, would you bless us with the humility, with the endurance, with the... Um, abilities, Lord, to uh, lay hold of your grace that we might follow hard after you and live our lives to your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.